Hello and welcome to. I can't. <laughs> oh my god, he's fallen at the first hurdle. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the down the back of the sofas. The down do the back of the sofas. <laughs> he's forgot what it's called. <laughs> oh. oh my god. Take three. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to episode 10, part 2 of Down the Back of the Sofas. This is a review of 2020 with my friend Graham Bryan. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you doing? I'm good, good, good. Uh, We finished off uh, last episode with movies and TVs, and I thought we could jump right into some of the postponed movies that was meant to be out, and fingers crossed... Could be out in the next five years. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. <laughs> uh, we had uh, King's Man, uh, which is like a, a prequel to The Kingsman and Kingsman 2. Um, it looked pretty good. It seems to be set more in sort of World War One ish type oh, uh, okay. era. So a bit of a spin on that. And um, yeah, it looked quite good from Did you like the Kingsman films? Uh, I did. Um, to be honest, the only thing that put me off was the ending. I thought that was a bit unnecessary with what was said that he was going to do to a certain oh, part yes. of somebody's yes, anatomy, okay. yes. and that kind of belittled it a little bit for me. Some people might find that humorous, and for me, it was okay. It doesn't bother me, but it sort of, kind of, didn't really fit into the rest of the film. No, as far no. as I was, I know what I was you mean. It was a bit concerned. base, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, yeah, it yeah. It, it sort of. For everything that he'd gone through and done and set up, it sort of dropped it for me. But, you know, one of them things. Yep. Each to their own. Um, Dune. This does look quite good. Yes, this does look very good. Um, We also had uh, Black Widow. We know that that was postponed quite a while to finish in the old Marvel. Uh, Jungle Cruise with Dwayne Johnson, which is meant to be based on a Disney ride no, oh okay looks to be in the in the vein of um, like Jumanji right that sort of okay. comedy and, and setting um, of course one of the major sort of uh, action films Top Gun Maverick that deserves to be seen at the cinema I must admit this is one of them where I think you're right this is where that spectacle and you know time taken to put in there you know it it wasn't meant to be CGI. I think they used real planes again, I think, for this one. Right. So, and I think you've got a lot of Tom Cruise actually flying his own plane. Okay. I don't think he and, flies and, and probably hanging outside the plane <laughs> as well, I think, at various points. 
Now, um, now almost... you and Russ are very much looking forward to that. I can remember you both speaking in previous episodes about how much you're looking forward to Top Gun 2. I'm kind of a bit, mm, okay, we'll see. We, you don't like playing with the boys? <laughs> Oiled up with, <laughs> with men on the beach. It's a bit of body pool. <laughs> I'll leave that to you and Russ, mate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you got James Bond, A Time to Die. I don't know how many times that can be pushed back. I think this is about the fourth time already. Indeed. Um, um, yeah, because I mean, were we talking last week about the bidding war? The, yes. The Netflix yeah. and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, who, who knows when we'll finally see that. Um, well, funny enough, one of them who did win was Coming to America 2. Oh, okay. Got Yeah, got bought by, from Paramount and they sold it to uh, Amazon. With, with so the same cast, isn't it? They, yeah. they dug them all up and <laughs> stuck them against bits of wood. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh, I can't wait for that. I have to I say, know. I know. When I saw that trailer, oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, an unusual one that that um, had seemed to have quite a lot of. Uh, for me, like internet play, YouTube play, anything I saw the trailer was Free Guy. And that's... Um, <clears throat> oh, I forgot his name. Who's the one who played Dead, uh, Deadpool? Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. It's Ryan Reynolds in like a game where he's playing like a you know a, a non-player character mm. in a game and suddenly realises he's in the game. Oh, okay. Because he, he puts these glasses on and he gets to see what the, the actual players see. And it, was, it seemed quite a good little twist on how they could get away with anything in the story because it clearly it's meant to be a, a you know a, a console game or whatever. I do worry about that with you with all your VR gaming that that, that one day you're gonna you're gonna put on the goggles they're gonna meld to your face and you're gonna be trapped <laughs> in this world forever. Be like Halloween season of the witch. I'll put it on and the mask will <laughs> just right, exactly it. it'll just grab your face and. <laughs> <laughs> we got got some big hitters. We got Godzilla versus Kong. Have you seen the trailer for that? I have, sadly. Yes, <laughs> it, it yes. looks like it looks like Dwayne Johnson in a hairy costume, <laughs> wagging the hell out of a out of a lizard. That right hook. <laughs> and, well, when he's jumping and and Godzilla's shooting that thing out, is that not Captain America with his shield? Yes, it really looks yes. like right out of it. These are dangerous times. Godzilla's out there and he's hurting people and we don't know why. There's something provoking him that we're not seeing here. I'm of the same opinion. The myths are real. There was a war. And they're the last ones standing. Fast and Furious 9, have you got any? Do you know what? I can't believe how many there's been. I can honestly say... I've never seen a Fast and Furious film. Never watched one of them. Just don't appeal to me. I'm not a big fan of cars. And therefore the idea of it all being about people driving cars cars really fast (laughs) and furiously (laughs) just doesn't really float my boat. So I apologise to all the fans out there, but uh, 
Yeah, not really. It's my not bag. really about cars anymore. Yeah, but it's not really about cars. It's like helicopters, submarines. There's been everything coming that at them at one point. It, they're so. I think it's got to a point where it's so over the top. It's like a mix mix between death race and cannonball. Right. It's it's that you know the fact that you you, you they're swinging from one car to another, or you know he'll jump into the abyss and fire off something, and it'll. Just happen to connect onto a crane, and they'll swing round and land on the four wheels and drive off. It's got that stupid, right? Okay. That, yeah. Um, so <coughs> did you further makes me think that I've picked the best. It's not selling it, is it? By not watching any. <laughs> did, of did you ever see what was the other one? That 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 thing in Hobbs, which was a shoot off of them with Dwayne and uh, Statham. Oh, Statham. No, no. Yeah, again, that's that's a good one. Is it okay? That might. Yeah, because it's not really so much. It's a good comedy play between them two, actually. Oh, okay. To be honest with you, so more than all cars and stuff, so it's quite good. Um, Halloween Kills. Did you see the? Have you seen the latest Halloween? Yes. Do you know? Because Halloween I... is my favorite. The original seventy-eight Halloween. Yeah. Is my favorite horror film, and so my wife and I went to see the remake at the cinema. Loved it. Really enjoyed it. I thought it. It. it it hit all the beats that I needed to. So, yeah, I've been really looking forward to that one. Cool. And we've got two, um, we've, haven't we? We've got, there was supposed to be 2020 and 2021, wasn't it? They're, they're, we're having two oh. in consecutive years, so. Oh, really? Oh, right, so I've only got, I've only got Halloween Kills, so I don't yeah, know what the other yeah, one's well, called K- then, Kills so. was supposed to be 20, and then there's supposed to be another one in 21, so they're obviously, then now they're going to be 21 and 22, so. Cool. I look forward to that. Yeah, I must admit, I did enjoy that. I, I like you say the original because really, when you watch the latest one, it really does link quite well to the original. Yes, certain absolutely. shots, certain yes. things. And, 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 and I've never really and gone much for the sequels. It was also nice to see Jamie Lee Curtis doing her best impression of Brett Spiner from um, from <laughs> Independence Day. In- Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear Uh, and the last one is uh, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story I don't know if you if you're into that I I had no idea that was happening that's the first I've heard of that as in the remake of the musical the all all singing all dancing Romeo and Juliet dancing blimey well there you go I've I've really learnt something today (laughs) (laughs) that's it so I mean they were meant to be 2020 if we do see him 2021, I'll be very surprised yes, indeed. the way things are going. So, or we, you know, I, I got a slight feeling if we don't see them in 2021, there's going to be more pushed to the likes of Netflix and Apple because I wonder if a lot of the studios will think, hang on a minute, we've got 180 million, 200 million budget tied up in these. What are we going to do? Absolutely. Absolutely. Or it could just kill the and whole it, movie it, industry. Who knows? Well, let's, that's the thing. Let's think, just sit if they back don't and do see. that. <laughs> <laughs> sit back with your popcorn and your... Oh, no, we can't do that. Anyway. <laughs> I'm going to go on to now some games. Uh, I'm going to bore Graham now, though, because they're all VR ones. Uh, it was more... The reason why I chose these was because it's how they've advanced VR from where it's been in the last couple of years. Um <clears throat> More so because it's uh, coming to more people 
in the headsets that's available, like the likes of the PSVR, especially now with the PS5 that's given it some upgrades to loading and certain visual effects. Uh, you can't do much about what's actually in the headset, but at least it's um, it's looking a little little bit better with the software. Uh, and also how games are played now uh, with the VR stuff. You've got one big hitter was Star Wars Squadrons. The ability to actually sit in an X-Wing and a TIE Fighter cool. and an A-Wing and everything else. And it's not uh, <clears throat> like your generic sort of shoot and fly away, shoot more people, wave shooters coming back with there's stuff you have to do you have to measure up how you're going to balance everything between your power your shields and your firepower so you have to have a command of that and and on the fly change things to suit how your particular mission is going um that was a big hit because it came out on the PlayStation and also on to the major PC based uh, uh, headsets, uh, as well as potentially Quest Two, if you could do it on the on the on the link to the PC. Uh, saying that, you had Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners. If you like your zombies, that also brought into more the physics, where you do actually have to plunge knives into zombies' heads, and you have to have a certain amount of uh, force. Not so much physically from yourself doing it, but more in the game. As in, there's a, a you know you couldn't just keep doing that all the time because you would just knock mm. yourself out. And uh, you know they don't want people physically hurting themselves while they're playing the game, but you do have to have that in mind when you're playing it. It wasn't just a case of tapping a button and you've hit somebody mm. over the head. You have to physically do things to can actually I, kill zombies. Can I ask zombies. a question though? Again, as as somebody who's never played a VR game. Um, so you're literally seeing the zombie come at you, you're in some scenery, a forest, whatever. You can see in your hand there's a knife and therefore you need to drive that knife into the zombie's head. So you do the motion, you know, and so, so it, you're, you're putting your hand where the zombie's head in, is within the game, thrusting this knife down. Isn't it odd, though, that whereas for, for what you're seeing as the knife goes in there should be some resistance where you put the knife in and it stops but in real life there isn't how do you sort of deal deal with that disparity that's why at the moment the game is playing to that because it knows there isn't that ability to have that it's not until you have some sort of haptic suit that basically would a little bit like do you remember in the batman films where um he had like the cape and stuff and he ran electric through it and it stiffened right. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember yeah. that scene? It, we we need something like that where uh, the ability for the game to harden or do something to 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 have that motion in your arm. So basically, your arm could not go mm. down any further because the 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 suit has sort of hardened everything that goes yeah. underneath the arm. Something like that. So at the moment, yes, there is that. <laughs> They're trying to diminish the uh, the, ability, the ability to sort of come out of the game when you're doing that. So you want to be able to um, feel as if you're really in it, to to be submersed in it. And yeah, when you go like that, you that's why it isn't so much physical as you really need that force. Not it's not like the Wii 
um, where you were playing tennis, where you had to really sort of do the movements for it to yeah. actually do it. You you're kind of doing it, but you have to play. It's like every game when you start playing games, you tend to, and I think you do the similar thing. You measure what you can do as soon as you get in the game, how far, how high you can jump, whether or not you can pick certain things up, where you can look, how you can, and you tend to do that <clears throat> to find out. Right, okay, ah, so it's a game where I can walk over there, but clearly it looks like I can walk over yeah. there, but I can't. And I think you when you're doing the tutorials it gets you used to that so when you're in the frenzy of the game you're not flying things all over the place and pulling your arm out your socket you know because you're waving things around knocking all your vinyl pops off the shelf (laughs) 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 which which I have done (laughs) (laughs) and uh, yeah so as the hardware progresses the game will change for that as well um and and there are a lot of people that are doing stuff more with gloves to a certain extent at the moment so your fingers so when you want to hold on to a sword or something or whatever it, it will feel as if you've got that now it's yeah it's one of the things it's just going to take time to to get things and i think we are going through and that's why i've picked these certain games because we're going through something like when when PC games first started and you had the likes of Doom and then you had the likes of Quake and then you had the likes of Quake 2 and it's these things, wow, you can now do that. Um, I mean, I remember when Splinter Cell first came out on the PC and you walked through a curtain and it waved like it was right. a real curtain. It's like, oh my God, <clears throat> you know, and, and you had real-time shadows. You never had them mm. before. You know, and you're moving your arm up and down, going, "Oh, look! I can actually." It's nothing to do with mm. the game, but these things gradually crept up and and help you do things. I mean, when you look at all of the peripherals that are, are out for like um, Flight Simulator and everything like that, and and even Farm Simulator, I mean, some of the stuff you can get for that is unbelievable. Literally, you've got the as if you're in right. a tractor. It, it's it's and I, all that is built up over so time. So, how long until you become lawnmower man? I'm hoping <laughs> next week. <laughs> and and but this is the thing, and obviously that's that's the double-edged sword of all of this because as you you make it more and more appealing, people who are in a situation where they don't like where they are in real life will choose that instead. That of, that will become their their new reality, and they're not going to want to come out of it. Yeah. Well, that that'll become their new drug, their new drug of choice. You know, you you're you're going to get that um, uh, better than life yeah. from Red Dwarf. You know, you're going to get these things where people will rather you're gonna go to that. You're going to get the Matrix, and and if anything, albeit where people yeah. are choosing to go into the Matrix rather than you know living their life artificially within it. But you know, you'll have that thing where people can say, "Yeah, I'll go in there and I'll be someone else and I'll live this better life than I have." Well. The, where where that will change, I think, big time will be from a uh, product productivity point of view. You've already got freehand art and sculpture that you can make things and vi- and obviously walk three sixty around these these things that you create. The one thing you haven't got at the moment is is a proper desktop sort of environment where the the fact is because your face is closed off, your your eyesight is closed off. Sorry from a keyboard point of view 
it's very difficult for you to match your hands to where your keyboard is. I mean, people can touch type and stuff, that's fine. But at the moment, it's only really the Quest and the Quest 2 that are doing stuff where it's literally just your hands and not right. a controller. But for instance, if you if you have a keyboard, now you can have, obviously have light keyboards because we've had those for years where a light is projected onto the desktop and you're actually doing that rather than a physical sure. keyboard. Um, but sometimes you need that tactile feel of a keyboard to know where your fingers mm. are on the keys. But as soon as they make it that it's comfortable for you to actually work in that environment, so say, for instance, you're on the stock exchange and you know, you've got four or five TVs, you can have 36 TVs in VR because they can be Absolutely. all around you. Yep. And you can be looking at every single single thing that you want to. And if you're working in keyboard, you know, keyboard, mouse, and you're doing that, that's when you'll end up being in there for seven hours and not realising because you're working. Sure. And if you can do that, then you can play games in it. You've suddenly been in it for 14 hours a day. Yeah, because, you know, had had the stock exchange just been a VR version in trading places, they'd have certainly have known where the hell Beaks was, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and watched the exactly. frozen orange juice as it gradually went. <laughs> Concentrate orange juice. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, all I'll say is when you do finally decide to go into the virtual reality world forever, just just let me know beforehand because there's a few of your books I'd like to have. <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, sorry can, can continue with your yeah we had <laughs> no no it's, it, but it, it, that's where we're going i mean that's what at the moment i'm i'm reading ready player two and and that brings it to life even more with the fact of are we doing the right thing so you got to be pretty careful and, and as much as i'm saying these are gradually getting better that's the tipping point where once you can physically feel yourself in that environment as well as actually see yeah. yourself, that's when it's it's going to start kicking in. Um, so basically with, with the Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, that, that raised the bar for how you interact with, with things in the, in, the, in, the, in the gaming environment. Then you had Medal of Honor above and beyond, which kind of started okay... Um, because obviously that's more of a, a running and shooting, but it had teleportation. It wasn't really that. It's a bit clunky, and pretty soon you had all the updates. So you had smooth turning. You had to, able to to smooth movement, and that's the thing. Most people can't do that when they first start because it makes them nauseous. It brings up the the uh, travel sickness and stuff like that. Whereas if you're if you got your like your VR legs, so to speak, you're you can just go straight into it. Um, and it was nice to see how quickly they adapted to people saying, uh, I don't want to teleport, I want to run around normally. Now, two two years ago, it would have all been teleportation for about six months before bringing it out. And literally, it was about three weeks, something like that, three, four weeks, that they brought out the patch. It was already done. And I think what they're worried about is still people getting sick mm. playing the games and giving it a, a bad rep when there's no need because it's a case of well you should if you're not used to this you should gradually build up your playing time um <clears throat> so that was a step above and then you had our half-life alex now there was a lot of controversy with that because we've been waiting for a half-life game for years since um half-life uh, the point uh part two not half-life two but there was two games right. after that 
and it was only I played VR. the one on the orange box. That's it. Yeah. So you played the other ones after two as well. So there was two. There was part yeah. one and part two. There yeah. as a cliffhanger, and then we didn't see anything from from uh, Val for ages. And because this came out as a VR only, there was loads of people up in arms going, Ooh, and pretty soon it got pushed so it could be played as a pancake game, which is the complete opposite how everybody's been doing the VR scene for ages. <clears throat> like before Skyrim VR came out, people were pushing Skyrim into VR so they could play it. And this was the opposite way. And Half-Life Alex looked beautiful, on certain, almost photorealistic on certain bits. And there's nothing better than that horror bit where you've got the head crabs that are running around thinking that's going to mm. jump on your face. I mean, you you <laughs> you said how you used to play Alien Absolutely. Isolation and then the cat used to yeah. jump on you. <laughs> I just wish you could play, play in VR because you <laughs> see you scream like a little girl. When <laughs> you scream even more like a little girl. When... when you look down and you know it's behind you and you see its tail come through your stomach. It's really weird. I'm half going, oh, wow, that's fantastic. Look at that. That's, you know, I'm so like, I'm actually in Alien. I'm in the Nostromo and, and I'm sort of... And, and then the next minute I'm going, oh, my God, I'm grabbing myself because I'm, I can hear this thump, thump, thump behind me. And I... Yeah, that was my, my sort of games of 2020. I know, I'm sorry, I apologise for all VR, but it was more the advancement of, of VR in this year that's been the biggest so far since everything's come out. Because, you know, two or three years ago, we used to have wave shooter upon wave shooter, and it was boring. Now you're getting proper stories, proper games that people can spend time in VR and enjoy. And, okay, and the, the, the $64,000 question. Yeah. Of all the games you have played throughout your gaming career, which one, more than any other, would you like to be put on VR? I I think it's already been answered because I I spent a lot of time in in Half Life Two. I played that. Well, I played it on the PC. Went through it a couple of times. I played it on the Orange Box. I went through it a couple of times because I loved the fact how it, it was so many different bits of that game. You know, it was a shooter, or it was where you had to be quiet. So you know, it was all, all different genres in one thing, and I liked the story anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say, you know, Half Life Two, and I have sort of kind of played that when it was pushed in VR, but mm. the Half Life Alex is just blew me away because right. it, I, I could hear sound effects and bits and pieces, and when you're looking over. Uh, City 17 and you can see the big spy thing going up into the sky and, and it's the way you hear the echoes of gunshots and bits and pieces because I played Half-Life 2 so much it, it I could hear that right. but then thinking oh my god I'm in it <clears throat> I mean there's I mean, a bit I, where you're I... sorry go on no, go. there's a bit in it where you're just looking around and, and you and you do the, do the normal thing where you test things, and I go, oh, I can turn the radio on and off, but you're actually <laughs> twisting the knob of the radio, and you think, oh, there's a, there's a cat, he's asleep down there. Where's that can? 
<laughs> you chuck it down and it hits the cat and he goes meow and then runs off. <laughs> but you'd have to physically look over and go, oh, there's a cat t- to know that it's there and do it. And the fact that the game allowed you to do it, it didn't just bounce off and it was just a, you know, a part of the scenery. It actually reacted yeah. to your uh, yeah, to yeah, your, my uh, to your animal abuse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I hope Dallas isn't within earshot. No, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, as I've, as we've spoken many times before, you know, Alien Isolation was su- such a great game. A part of me thinks it would be really good to to experience that in VR. But part of me thinks, you know, why do I want to experience in a in a proper VR um, environment? You know, me spending three quarters of a game hiding in a locker. <laughs> it just seems. <laughs> Yeah. What a colossal waste of time that would be. I'm still in the locker. I'm too afraid to come out. But you've got 45 saves. Yes, and 35 of them are me in the locker. In the locker. Still in the locker. Terrified of coming out. Oh, brilliant. Oh, great stuff. Uh, you've got some uh, comics. Do you want to go I through have. them? I yeah. have, yes. Just, just a few. Um, okay. First one I've got, it, it actually came out just before last year, but of course the thing about comics is, you know, they're always ongoing, or the majority are ongoing, so, you know, you'll still be experiencing things every year, and probably one of the hottest comics of the minute is something called Something is Killing the Children, um, published by Boom Studios, uh, written by James Tinian IV, and with art by uh, Werther Deledra. Um I mean, it, it's currently up to about issue 15, and the full set will probably cost you about 300 quid at the moment. It's that popular, and it, and it was very under-ordered to begin with, so it's very hard to get hold of copies. Um, I, I just think people should be reading this. It's so good. Um, I don't want to say too much without ruining anything, so all I'll do is I'll I'll, I'll just tell you what the promo was at the very beginning that Boom put out. And all it said was, When the children of Archer's Peak begin to go missing, everything seems hopeless. Most children never return, but the ones that do have terrible stories, impossible stories of terrifying creatures that live in the shadows. Their only hope of finding and eliminating the threat is the arrival of a mysterious stranger, one who believes the children and claims to see what they can see. Her name is Erica Slaughter. She kills monsters. That is all she does, and she bears the cost because it must be done. And I love it. It is good. It is good. Uh, I mean, like I say, it'd be incredibly hard to pick up the early issues, but it's available in trade paperbacks, and obviously, it's an ongoing series. Just great stuff. Just really good comics. Um, so that for me was certainly one of the highlights of 2020. Um, can, can I can I just say something? I've I found. I'm, correct me if I'm wrong. There seems to be more of a move over the last couple of years of a lot of films and TVs being based on graphic novels rather than books. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's um, I mean, you know, it it's obviously been going on for a while. You know, there, there's probably a great many movies out there that people didn't realise were based on comics. You know, things like Men in Black, you know, which was obviously huge and was and was based on a comic, and many people don't know that. Um, yeah, or, or read. That I didn't know was even based on a comic. Yeah, I I just think that 
you know, comics have always been a a a way for telling great uh, imaginative stories in uh, in a highly visual medium, which is exactly what cinema does. So you know, the things you know transfer really well, um, and I just think that the amount of of scope out there in comics, in terms of you know your big um, you know, sort of high-level fantasy things to very low-key stuff. Um, I mean, one of my favourite stories, of, sorry, one of my favourite graphic novels is a thing called I Kill Giants, and they made a film of that, and it's just about a girl who um, kills giants, just, just giants attack, but then you realise that the giants is actually a metaphor for something else, and therefore you think, are the giants real? Um and yeah, they, they made a version of that that I think is still available on Netflix. There's some serious stuff going down. I find giants. I hunt giants. I kill giants. Cool. Um, so yeah, you can tell massive stories. You can tell little intimate stories. And I just think, you know, there, there's so much good stuff out there in comics, you know, whether it's mainstream or independent that, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's no surprise that so many are, are being turned into, uh, into movies. Uh, next one I had was the Marvel superhero title Daredevil, um, which, um, sort of gets handed on. It almost seems like a writer will take the character of Daredevil screw his life up as much as possible and then leave to hand over to the next writer who then has to get him out of this mess and you know and, and so the cycle goes it's currently written by a guy called uh, Chip Zdarsky and um, uh, certainly the writer in the early issues was a guy called Marco Cicchetto and in this title which I think is volume 5 of Daredevil now um, Matt Murdock, obviously the blind lawyer whose secret identity is Daredevil, or is it no Daredevil whose secret identity is <laughs> blind lawyer Matt Murdock? I don't know one of them. Um, <laughs> and in this, uh, Daredevil accidentally kills someone in the first issue, and so he's uh, hunted by the police and a cop involved who's very much trying to take him down and then realise he's not a bad guy. Um, but then you've got a situation where Daredevil has to almost retire and so all the sort of the criminal elements, the mob almost, including some supervillains, come in and try and um, uh, sort of take over Hell's Kitchen where Daredevil operates. And so he has to come back. And it's, there's just been some great storytelling. Um, and something's happened quite recently that um, I, I'll, I'll try not to spoil. But um, it's put the character in the title sort of almost up on the next stratosphere of, of comics out there and suddenly it's very, very collectible because right now Daredevil isn't Matt Murdock. Daredevil is someone else. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that's that been really good. Really enjoyed that. Another title I've really enjoyed, they finally brought Blade Runner to comics. I don't know whether you knew this. Yes. Have you been getting... Because it was 2019, wasn't yes. there? And there was... I've got them. I haven't read them yet. But right. yeah, I've been getting them on... I, I'm, I, I apologise. I've been getting them on the iPad. Absolutely. <laughs> but, but but isn't it great that you've got that option? So, in, you, you know, if you can't get to a comic shop and you don't want the physical copies, get get the digital copies. You know, it's great to have the, the variety there. Yeah, you know when it. You, I think you know when it is. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot, but the reason why I got into the new Blade Runner was because of the free comic day. Yes, and issue one was given away with that. Yep. 
and it was and I looked at it and went oh yeah mm. I, I, I like the way that first one was and that's and I've been just subscribing and getting it I just haven't read them yet yeah, yeah. Yeah, so obviously the first series was 12 issues uh, split up into three, four-issue arcs um, set you know, at the same time that Deckard was uh, was doing his, his business in the first Blade Runner film. Um, and, yeah, published by Titan Comics, uh, basically the Blade Runner in question is a female Blade Runner, uh, Detective Arna Ashina, or Ash for short. Um, in the story, she's hired by a businessman, uh, Alexander Selwyn, who is the uh, CEO, I think, of Canon Corporate or something, to hunt down his wife and daughter. And um, she goes on the hunt for them, and uh, sort of things don't turn out to be quite what uh, she expected to be. She ends up there's at various points she's off world, and then she finds a an island that is populated entirely by replicants who are sort of on the run and it, it it's it's really good and then um yeah they've they've just brought out Blade Runner 2029 so that's just started so we're two issues or I think issue 3 is about to come out of um of yeah sort of the story set 10 years later picking it up and it is really good they've got the that the atmosphere of, of of that world, you know, you know Los Angeles, and the fact that you know it's very down and dirty, and you know anybody with money and sense is is is, is off world in the colonies. So uh, so yeah, just just a really enjoyable read. Really liking that. Uh, sorry, were you going to say something? Yeah, no, no, I can say I'm really looking forward to that because now that, like you say, that's I just get them and think right once once they're finished as such, then I then I want to read them all in one go because I don't think I could I can wait. I don't think I could do that. A little bit like maybe I've got into the Netflix binge type yeah. of thing that I, I can't. I, I don't want to wake up. Is it every month? I don't know what it is. Yes, the yeah, point yeah, of yeah. I mean, yeah. the comics come out monthly. So, so, so you're you're what we in the in the industry call a trade waiter. Yes, um, but because because basically, obviously, normally you get six issues of an ongoing series and then they'll bring out a trade paperback collecting those six issues and then after the next hit you'll get another one so yeah you get people who want it every month you get people who just wait for the big book so they're waiting for the trade so they get called a trade waiter yeah I'm a tra- <laughs> but then i goes i mean with with the trade ones do you still get uh the covers yes oh, yes. oh you do still get them because i yes. didn't know whether you did or not because you would miss out really wouldn't you because that's normally done is it normally done by a different artist than what is actually in the comic? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, certainly what's happened with the industry at the minute, far more than it used to, is you get variant covers. Um, and therefore you will get... Um, you either get the person who's doing the interior art will do the cover, or sometimes you will get a thing where you get a different one, but it's always the same person doing the art for the for the covers of the whole series. And uh, But now you get variant covers, so therefore... Uh, I mean, it's it, it, it's getting crazy. You can get one issue that can have forty, fifty covers, all done by different artists. And of course, the good thing about a trade is they will stick in. You all know, the, you know, yeah. you will get the normal one, but then at the back as a bonus, you'll get all the variant covers. So, so you don't have to buy fifty versions of the same comic just to, to look at <laughs> all the covers. Um, yeah, so one uh, one other uh, title I just wanted to talk about, which uh, I bought and kind of thought, do I like this? Is this good? And ended up giving it up. But um, it's Venom, uh, which right. started in 2018. 
written by Donny Cates and uh, with art by Ryan Stegman. Um, but this over the last year has really come into its own because uh, obviously Venom is the symbiote that um, Spider-Man brought back from the battle world in Secret Wars turned out to be um, an actual alien entity and bonded with uh, a reporter called Eddie Brock and thus the character Venom was born. Um, but we found out more and more history about that character and what we found out is that there is almost a an evil god out there in space who created all these symbiotes and he kept them all on a planet and some of them escaped and one of the ones that escaped was the one that is the Venom symbiote. Uh, but unfortunately, a and, and be, bear with me on this, <laughs> It's it's odd, but a giant symbiote dragon came to Earth and was trying to sort of pull its pieces together to gain full strength. And uh, Venom had to battle this dragon and managed to kill it. But in doing so, alerted this space god um, that uh, that he's there, that there's this thing there. And this character called Null um, came to um, came to Earth. And there was a storyline called King in Black that ran through last year. And suddenly the first appearance of Null, issue three, which, like I say, two years ago I bought for £2.80 or something, is now worth close to £200 because it's the first appearance of Null. So so the, the cost of these comics have absolutely gone through the roof. So uh, I don't know if there's any Venom fans out there, but uh, that's certainly something that they might want to pick up. But again, it will have to be in trade paperback <laughs> unless you've got very deep pockets. Um, <laughs> did you did you think of anything of the film at all? I mean, I know it doesn't. Uh, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. Um, again, obviously, you know, with the Woody Harrelson uh, cameo at the end, teeing up the fact that he's going to be Carnage in the second film has suddenly meant that the value of all the Carnage comics, including First Appearance and what have you, is suddenly going through the roof. And that's actually something I wanted to touch on. Um, One thing I'm really worried about the industry at the moment is speculation. Speculation has gone through the roof. Now, I'm going to give you a very, very quick potted history of comics. Um, Back in the early 90s... um, there were some very popular artists about um, Todd McFarlane on Spider-Man, Rob Liefeld on New Mutants, uh, Jim Lee on X-Men, and they were all given their own titles to do. And these titles uh, had different covers and you know, and sold literally millions of copies. But the problem was they weren't bought by millions of people. They were bought by hundreds of thousands of people, all buying multiple copies each because they thought this is great this is a new title and I'm going to be able to sell this and make a fortune and so Marvel thought well this is good we're we're suddenly selling millions of copies of these titles so we can keep printing millions of copies of these titles and what people were doing rather than buying one and reading it they were buying 10 and keeping 9 to sell on and reading one and therefore it artificially inflated the industry and it nearly, and this is crazy to say now, but it nearly led to the end of Marvel. Marvel 
went into administration. Marvel nearly went under because of this, because they, they overextended themselves. And the idea now that we may not have a Marvel comic seems utterly ridiculous. But but fast forward to now, and certainly the last year or two, and people are looking for any reason to suddenly say, this is the next big comic, this is suddenly worth £100, whereas last week it was worth 20p. And back in the day, you would have a first appearance of a character and it would become popular and that, you know, what was a £1 book might suddenly become a £5 book. And over the years, it might become a £10 book or a £20 book. Whereas now, you get a comic, like I say, with Venom issue three. It's a £3 book. Suddenly, Null's a popular character. But, you know, Null, Null is a character that's only been created over the last two or three years so hasn't got staying power no one knows what people are going to think of null moving forward but suddenly somebody's decided right this is now worth money and suddenly you have to pay 200 pounds for it and i think auction websites like ebay are setting the prices because suddenly somebody says i'm going to sell mine but because it's got null in it i'm going to charge 50 quid and the next person who goes on says, "Are we selling in for fifty? I'll I'll go to sixty, and then and before yeah. you know it, it's two hundred quid. And it's almost like people saying, "Well, if they're getting that for it, but of course the trouble is people are suddenly saying, oh, hang on, that's popular because it's going for fifty quid. I'd better buy it, so I'm going to spend fifty quid on it.' And we're artfully, inf- sorry, we're artificially inflating the industry, and. I just worry that this could have this, a, a similar effect. And, of course, what you're getting at the minute, particularly with Disney Plus, is you're getting yeah. all these promised TV shows and all these promised films coming up. And we were told, oh, you know, uh, you know, Madame Webb, uh, you know, first appearance of Amazing Spider-Man 210. She might be in one of the Spider-Man films. Might be. That's all we were told. Suddenly it went from being a 30-quid book to a 100-quid book. And this is happening more and more. And I can understand it with older comics, because they obviously have a certain rarity. But newer comics are suddenly... And I, mm. I genuinely worry about the industry at the moment. And you know me, I've collected comics all my life. I love them. Yeah. And I've seen this happen before, whereby... You know, the, you know, the industry nearly killed a publisher... And, uh, you know, rather than this being quantity-driven, this is more um, supply and demand-driven, where people are suddenly deciding this is a hot book because, I mean, currently, Amazing Spider-Man 257, which features Puma, um, we've been told that, 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 that might feature in one of the films coming up. And so it's suddenly gone from literally being a £3 book to people saying hottest book on the internet 50 pounds and it's like who decides that it's it's just you know it, it, it's just worry that people are trying to generate buzz around a comic based on the fact that they have it and they want to suddenly be sitting on something that's well, worth it. a huge yeah. amount of money and and, yeah. and you're getting the craziest things you're suddenly hearing oh no you know this this that literally people couldn't give away is now the hottest book on the internet it's it, it's it's you a bit s- worrying you you saying that though? I mean, obviously, there's more um, emphasis or more focus on the Marvel characters. What's happening with the DC side? I mean, are they are they finding that they're they're selling less comics because they haven't got this 
this thing that Marvel has at the moment, where they, we, you know, we're so big, we're going to bring out that film and that TV show. So that's how they artificially are bringing up their comics. But a DC losing out, are, are we, could we see them lose the fight altogether? I would say, in terms of the big two, Marvel are definitely in the ascendance. Uh, DC are struggling. You know, I, you know, with characters like Superman and Batman, you're always going to have your core fans. But I would say you look at how the amount of comics that Marvel is publishing every month is growing, and yet DC's is remaining very much the same. DC are not bringing out a huge amount of new titles. They're not testing stuff. They're constantly bringing in new writers and artists. You know, trying to get the hot guys. You know, over the past few years, it's been people like uh, Tom King. Um, who DC got from um, Marvel and put him on exclusive contract and put him on Batman uh, just to try and generate some buzz. I mean, Brian Michael Bendis, who was a huge Marvel writer for a long, long time, um, you know, got got uh, poached by DC. And I think they're trying anything. But again, it is this whole TV and cinema thing. You know, you know they can suddenly put out WandaVision and suddenly everybody's going yeah. nuts for the for the you know the the vision in the scarlet witch mini series and the maxi series and all this kind of stuff and it's just you know people are so big on marvel because the exposure's there and you know dc you know we've all seen how they struggled you know cinematically and you, you, you know you've still got the um uh the arrowverse you know the um God, what's his name? The guy who does it. I can't remember his name. Um, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, you've got more. I mean, that, that was some more DC side, more TV side. Yes. For, from the DC. But, you know, it worries me that but I suppose, maybe not so much from a serious point of view, but you, you've got like your other uh, publishers like uh, like Vertigo and Boom and, and stuff like that. that Vertigo's gone, mate. They, Vertigo's ended. Is it? Is it ended? Yeah, well, because well, well, Vertigo was a, was an offshoot of DC anyway, and they just stopped publishing Vertigo comics. I think, I think the thing is, a lot of writers and artists who naturally would have been drawn to Vertigo are suddenly being drawn to Image because right. Image offer creator owned, um, and, yes, and, and therefore you you create a character and you take it to DC and DC say thank you very much. We'll have that character and we'll and we'll pay you to write it but then you go to image and you own the rights which means you know somebody like robert kirkman you know who who completely owned the rights to the walking dead is suddenly you know the richest man on the planet so uh, him and jeff bezos (laughs) (laughs) although to be honest with you i mean i've not i mean i enjoyed the walking dead Uh, i I got up so far in the comics and then started not get confused but didn't want to get muddled with all the different characters that were because we was you know we we invested fun enough that i mean that started the same year that we got married so what you, you know, and me me and my wife we, <laughs> yeah i was going to say me and, me, <laughs> me and my wife were watching it and thinking right you know a couple of years back thinking we've invested about 8 years into mm. this you know and and it did dip for us and then it came back up again and it was like this this is this is getting back quite good but then they brought in the fear of the walking dead and now you've got this other one with the kids and stuff and i'm thinking no, what what are you doing? You, you you're just, um, it's too much. Yeah. You know, you're you're not telling one story now. You're trying to chuck three of us, three at us at the same time. I mean, at, at one point, I loved The Walking Dead and couldn't imagine not watching it. But then, it suddenly reached a stage where it was too much people sitting around talking 
about you yeah. know you know how are we going to get food to the people up up the hill and it's like you know you know how about mentioning the zombies that are all out there it's almost like they but they just became a footnote <laughs> they've the gone show. away yeah <laughs> but but and i get what he meant was that he wanted to create something that was how you would live in that not a two-hour film of oh my god there's zombies we've got to fight zombies there's an there's an island great we've escaped the zombies you know it was never going to be that way because it was meant to be right this is this is life now this is how it's going to be but then you have people taking really weird character arcs that you think no they wouldn't do that because they're not that stupid they've been in this life situation for so long they wouldn't suddenly go yeah i'm gonna trust you because you know i've i've had somebody come after me five times before, but I'm going to trust you. And you go, no, you don't. And then, of course, <laughs> yep. they do something. You go, well, we knew that was going to happen. And for me, I think that's poor writing because it's just trying to extend the series. Yeah, definitely, so, definitely. And too much. Yep. And then one last thing on the comic front, uh, probably the most exciting piece of uh news last year i uh, comic related but not actually about a comic the comics aren't coming until this year is that marvel comics bought the right to aliens to publishing alien Ooh, comics oh yes yeah because it used to be with dark Dolls. horse yes that's right dark yeah. horse been doing it from the start and yeah marvel have bought that so suddenly the big guns have uh have got and of course first thing we had was uh to celebrate it we had variant covers of um uh, just Marvel versus Alien, they were called, and it was all the superheroes taking on an alien on the on the cover. Um, but yeah, the the uh, first uh, Marvel Alien comic is going to be published uh, towards the end of March. Um, so I'm sure you'll be buying that digitally. But uh, but yeah, yeah looking forward oh, yes. to that. Um, so yeah, that that was a very exciting piece of news. Uh, see what see what Marvel does with the. Uh, with the xenomorphs. Yes, with the yes. <laughs> so yes, that's my that's my twenty twenty in comics. Fantastic, thank you. Um, I've just got a few, a couple of books, not many, uh, because I'm terrible at trying to get through books, and I'm not going to go on a, too much about a book that I haven't read. <laughs> it's more of a case of it's a book that I want to read. <laughs> it's um, on the pile. He's on the pile, yeah. Um, I bought uh, Val Kilmer's autobiography, I'm Your Huckleberry, which I'm quite interested in reading because uh, everything that he's been through, I've managed to read some little snippets of it, and uh, it's quite interesting how his relationships with certain high-profile people and obviously the films that he's done and how he has acted and how he is now compared compared to how he was before I think with the illness with his throat cancer and stuff like that has sort of brought him down to earth a bit more um, I think he's a bit of a prima donna at certain points and he acknowledges that and um, it's not I, I, I had to I obviously got it off of uh, Amazon and stuff but it's not available in the UK you can't get it on the Kindle and stuff it has to be a, a physical copy so I actually bought a proper book and um, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you're not really into this sort of thing because you've never really, like you have mentioned uh, recently, you, you don't really go for books about Star Wars that isn't the offshoot. So yeah, I've 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 only read one Star Wars novel in my life that wasn't a an, an adaptation. And that was the first one, Splinter of the Mind's Eye by Alan Dean Foster. 
Um, again, you know, extended universes in that sense has has never really grabbed me. Doesn't appeal so, to you, yeah. really, is it? No. And this this is, I mean, this I saw. Uh, the the first one came out in two thousand seventeen. Um, the next one came out three years later. So obviously they're um, linked to the fortieth anniversary of the films, and we obviously had the fortieth anniversary of Star Wars. Now this one is. Uh, the 40th anniversary of the Empire Strikes Back, and it's called from a, from a certain point of view. Nice. And what it is, it's quite a few short stories uh, about, from all different authors, from characters that are in the background, characters that you think are unimportant, and they've woven a story to show how important they were. And I haven't yet had a chance to look into any of the Empire Strikes Back, but what I read from the Star Wars ones was was they literally go from the start of the movie to the end with the stories. And for instance, like you remember the the red robot that exploded uh, because he he was picked before R two D two by Luke Skywalker. Yes. So it, there's a, there was a, a story woven around that that R two D two was speaking to to R three I think it was R th- I can't remember the name now but and it, it turned around that he did that on purpose because he kind of even though he wanted to get away from the Jawas to 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 have a happy life he knew that sacrificing himself so R two D two could be picked was the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, kind of... I'm, I'm, I'm going to sound like a massive nerd here, but that's always one thing I've had a bit of an issue with, with Star Wars, okay? Because they brought out a figure of that very droid, didn't they? You know, in the, in the yes, Palatoy yes. Kenner, call it what you will, collection. Can you remember what that figure was called? I think it was R5-D4. R5-D4, okay. What is the line that Luke says in the film after it blows up? Uh, looks like he's got a bad motivator. Uncle Owen, this R2 unit has a bad motivator. Ah. This R2 unit, R2 unit. called R5-D4. <laughs> is is it an R2 unit or is it an R5 unit? You decide. Uh, picky, picky, <laughs> Damn picky, straight. Picky. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, so this sort of short stories of, of of various things, you know, tells a story of, you know, two female wampers in the in the Hoth supermarket, and, and one saying, "Honestly, my my Dennis walked into this this ice cavern the other day, and some some Get, little git gets his arm cut his arm off." <laughs> You've been too. You've been watching too much of the Family Guy one, haven't you? Because <laughs> it's Cookie Monster. It's Cookie Monster. That's what, that's who plays that character. Brilliant. Oh, brilliant! Um, something, something, something. Dark side. Something is it? <laughs> no, no. You clean. You clean. <laughs> um, yeah, and I and I, I enjoyed the. I obviously presume that in you know a couple of years' time, the Return of the Jedi one will come out, and um, we'll have the short stories from that as well. Uh, another thing was uh, Ready Player yes, Two. Of course, uh, I love Ready Player One, the book. I really enjoyed it. Um, I've read it quite a few times. Uh, the The movie was a, a good spin with new bits and pieces in it, and I quite enjoyed that. Um, and, and this. Ready Player Two. I'm quite pleased that uh, 
the author is kept with um, the book, so he's 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 continued the story from the book, not the right. film. Uh, so it, it's um, I don't I won't give too much away, but it's obviously it it runs literally from they've they've won the the competition and this is what is happening next. And uh, like I said before, there is that fear of choosing you know an artificial life over a real life uh, as things get better and better that's what you'd end up doing and um as i say i'm i'm probably about two-thirds of the way through it so I, i've purposely tried to keep away from everything so i don't know how it's going to end uh but it's it's really good do you do audio books yes yeah yeah I, and i do quite enjoy them as well I, yeah I, I, i'm thinking up with uh, audible so I'll, I'll wait for me credit every month and cool. and get one of them. So, but it's um, I'm not going to say it's better or worse than the, than the first one at the moment until I get to the end, because that that will make or break it. Um, so, but uh, yeah, that was another one that sort of came out and and, and uh, I'm enjoying it so far. Let's put it that way. So we we'll see how cool. it goes. That's it for the books. We are potentially going to drag things down a little bit just a tad. <laughs> at the moment with our just a tad with the uh, in memoriam. Uh, for 2020 and we had I've got a list of 39 people here and it's and a bit just sad January. but <laughs> but the ages of a majority of these are what you would expect to be honest with you whether or not it's just one of those things that we've both got to an age where the people we know and love and have enjoyed for years have got to that certain age, so we it, you're bound to lose them. This is it. I mean, you know, now now that you and I have both turned thirty, um, <laughs> we are finding. I'm still twenty nine. That, that the people we've grown up watching, you know, on you know the, the great Saturday night telly, more than half have now gone, and therefore the rest of it, and 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 it hits you harder because the, the rest because, are in jail. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, you do find that these people who you enjoyed so much and were a huge part of your childhood, and now suddenly, you know, you think, oh my god, no, they've, oh no, they've, oh no, you know, Bobby Ball, what, you know, it's, it's terrible, very sad. Anyway, let's let's do it. Uh, we'll, we'll go through it, and please jump. I get my hanky out if you want to say anything. Yeah. Um, right. To start off with Eddie Van Halen. Sixty-five. That's no no age to go. Terrible, no it? age to go. Michael Lonsdale, better known as Hugo Drax, Moonraker. Uh, he was in Ronin with Robert De Niro and Day of the Jackal. He was eighty-nine. Fair enough. Good innings. Diana Rigg. Oh, heartbreak. The Avengers on Her Majesty's Secret Service and, and most notably recently Game of Thrones. Uh, she was eighty-two. Uh, Jack Charlton. Of course, 1966 World Cup, 85. Jeremy Bullock, Boba Fett, mm. 75. This one, Chadwick Boseman. Man alive. 43. That was no. heartbreaking, wasn't it? That, that was that, absolutely that, that heartbreaking. Hurt. And to find that, that, that it, it had... 
you know, they'd been diagnosed so long ago and had been making these films whilst battling cancer just makes it all the more, you know, not only heartbreaking, but incredible that he was able to do it as well. Yeah, I mean, and his performance, I mean, not only in the Marvel ones, but literally a couple of nights back, um, we watched Message from the King. I don't know if you've ever managed to see that. It's it's a story of him coming over to LA from um, South, South South Africa, right? Uh, and it, it's a good revenge movie. And his performance in that is wow. Mm. You know, you, you're thinking, who is he? What's his background? And when things kick off, oh, he's he's fa- absolutely fantastic. But it's so heart heartbreaking in some of the scenes that his tough guy persona in the others. You make wonder that this is a if he was going through this treatment how exhausting that must have been to but then to still have this emotion yeah coming out of him i mean there's one thing that's out there on uh, still on youtube that you can find it's um uh jimmy fallon with the tonight show and just after black panther came out um they invited people who were coming out of the cinema to speak to a poster of Chad, Chadwick Boseman to say how important it was, and of course they were all African Americans saying how important it was to them that suddenly there's a there's a, you know a mainstream superhero who's uh, who's black, and but of course he was behind the scenes, so they would be talking, and he would then step out and surprise them, <laughs> and and it was great, and you saw what it meant to people, you know, and uh, you know how good his performance was, and. You know how he 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 carried the torch in that sense, and it just it it just makes his passing all the sadder. Go ahead and tell Chadwick what he and the movie mean to you. Uh, Darren here, just want to say thank you so much for making Black Panther. I can't express how much it means to me and in the community and my family. Um, thank you from the very bottom of my heart for all that you've done um, for really being a hero um, that we really need in a time like this. Thank you so much, Darren. I think there's something wrong with your microphone. Oh! 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 My king! My king! My king! Oh my god! That's it. You know, you know, he's 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 never gonna. But you know, they're now talking about doing Black Panther as a as a TV show, aren't they? Rather than a rather than a, a, a movie, you know, and you know, you know, we'll see how they deal with it in that. But uh, yeah, very sad. Uh, Trini Lopez is a singer uh, but he was also more famous for being one of the Dirty Dozen mm-hmm. number 10 20 years hard labour he had uh, he was 83 I saw your post on Facebook the other day giving the uh, giving the line from, uh, from, from, from from Dirty Dozen did anybody get that? did anybody? Uh, I, I don't know I'll, I'll have a look I'll have a look but yeah that's alright <laughs> such a good um, Wilfred Brimley yeah uh, from Cocoon um, and the thing, the thing, absolutely, and of course, Ewoks, the battle for Endor. <laughs> of course, who could possibly forget? Um, he was eighty-five. Uh, again, Cocoon, Brian Dennehy. Oh man, most known, yeah, most known for uh, First Blood. You know, we're just a small Hick Town Sheriff's Department, Colonel, but we're expected to do our duty just like our heroes in the Special Forces. In Special Forces, we teach our people to stay alive in the line of duty. No shit. I never thought of that. You want a war you can't win? Are you telling me that 200 men against your boy is a no-win situation for us? You send that many. Don't forget one thing. What? A good supply of body bags. 
uh, Cocoon, obviously Cocoon 2 is on FX, he was Romeo and Juliet, he was Ted Montague and he was also in the remake of Assault on Precinct 13 with Ethan Hawke and that was quite a good film for him as well um, he was 81 Kelly Preston ah. John Travolta's wife another, another cancer wasn't it yep uh, from Our Neck of the Woods Jill Gascoigne from The Gentle Touch and Cat's Eyes yep. uh, which introduced Leslie Ash uh, she was 83 Ennio Morricone uh, obviously composer of the Spaghetti Western trilogy the fantastic Once Upon a Time in the West Man with a Harmonica The Mission The Untouchables and The Thing The Thing, absolutely that great, films. great, you know you know, when you look at his his early work, you know, on these on the um, spaghetti western trilogy, you know, particularly that great, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, that's such a good soundtrack. You know, I mean, my kids are even into that. I played that so much that even my kids. I mean, you know, my daughter nicked the CD off me because she liked it so much. And then to suddenly see, you know, some of his later work, like say the Untouchables, but the Thing as well. It's just, you know, what a, what an incredible career. I mean, the, the whole way through Untouchables, that's got a lot of long takes and a lot of long scenes with no dialogue. Yeah. I mean, when they're on when they're on the, the stairs, the stairs, absolutely. And you've got the dig 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 dig, dig and, but then even when uh, you know, spoiler alert, Sean Connery gets shot and all like that, and then you've got the tune over when you're looking at the photograph when they're all there. Oh, makes you go cold. Yep. Brilliant. Um, ninety one, pretty good innings. Ninety one. Carl Reiner. Actor, director, father of Rob Reiner, brilliant director of Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, uh, and The Man with Two Brains, uh, and later the Ocean movies. Um, and of course, fam- famous for working with um, Mel Brooks, um, you know, in his early career. But uh, and yeah, so did you say Ocean's Eleven? Yeah, yeah, well. the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved him in that. He was great was in that. that. I mean, I, I, I love that film. I think that's a fantastic film. That that is one of those films that if I turn it if I turn on Sky and it's playing, I I will watch it. I'll watch the rest of it no matter what point it is in in the film. I I just you know I could just you know love it. So yeah, and he's so good. Very good, very good. Um, another one from our neck of the woods, Woody Thorne, snooker, big break with Jim Davidson. Yeah. He was he was only sixty six. Mm. Um, John Saxon, the old Enter the Dragon, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. He was Nancy's um, father, Dad, yeah. Uh, policeman. Yeah. Um, he also had a cameo in From Dust Till Dawn, and of course he was in Day of the Robot. Major Sloan from the Six Million Dollar Man, Maskatron. Maskatron. The old doll was based on him. Awesome. Um, and of course, he was Battle Beyond the Stars as well, which we spoke about in episode four. 
<laughs> we, we won't mention that, no. <clears throat> not too loudly. Uh, he was 83. Mm. Uh, Joel Schumacher, director. St. Elmo's Fire, The Lost Boys, Flatliners, Falling Down. I love that film. Um, Phone Booth, his latest one's 8mm, number 23 with Jim Carrey. Uh, he, I never watched it, but he'd done The House of Cards. Batman Forever, uh, Batman and Robin. Well, I wasn't... I wasn't going to mention them. <laughs> I wasn't going to so, mention the nipples. Sorry, Joel. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't mention the nipples on the suit. <laughs> uh, he was 80. Um, Nobby Styles, another footballer. Yeah. Uh, 1966 World Cup. He was 78. He was also in Escape to Victory. Was he? He was in that movie. Yeah. I don't remember yeah. him being in that. Um, Johnny Nash. I can see clearly now the rain has gone. Uh, that's in the opening scene of Gross Point Blank. I like that film. Beautifully John sung, Cusack. Steve. Beautifully sung. Thanks. <laughs> I think I managed to miss every single correct note. Um, <laughs> he sang all the right by, notes. By design. But not necessarily <laughs> not in, in the, the right, right order. The right order. Yeah, he was 80. Johnny Nash was 80. Right, we've got a biggie here. Ian Holm. He was born near near Ilford. I didn't know that. And uh, quite close to Bromford. Um, He, I mean, alien. Yeah. Perfect organism. I won't lie to you, but you have my sympathies. What a lie. Uh, Chariots of Fire. (laughs) Time Bandits. Yes. Come on, Napoleon. (laughs) I've got to do it. I've got to do it. Don't stand so close to me, Miguel. You've got you on one side, him on the other. It feels like I'm down a bloody well. <laughs> look, look at the little guy. Look at the look little, at guy. little guy. <laughs> He's absolutely fantastic in that. Oh, dear. Um, not Brazil. Yes, of course. Lowry. Has anybody seen Lowry? Uh, fifth Element, that's Cornelius. From Hell. Did you ever watch From yes, Hell? Yes, the, uh, the, 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 the Jack yeah. the Ripper. Yes, from, yes. from the Alan Moore graphic yeah. novel, yeah. Yeah, it, it, there you go, yeah. yeah. Um, and some uh, Day After Tomorrow, uh, you know, save as many as you can. Uh, Ratatouille, he was Skinner, he was obviously the main chef. Uh, some sort of little indie weird small film, Lord yeah, of the Rings, I think he was never in heard of it. No. Yeah. Never heard of that one. Um, and he and he actually voiced Ash in the Alien uh, Isolation game as well. He was 88. I thought up an ending for my book. And he lived happily ever after. To the end of his days. And I'm sure you will, my dear friend. Goodbye, Gandalf. Goodbye. Dear uh, I don't know if you know Fred Willard. He, like comedic actor, he's been in a few sort of comedy films. Nothing really major, but when you see him, the you'd recognise him, and he is quite funny. Mm, he's never he's, he's done like Best in Show and that sort yes, of stuff. Yes, of course, Nothing. he was the commentator. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Um, eighty-six. So not too bad. Not too bad. You said earlier, Bobby Ball. Um, you know, obviously, Cannon and Ball, 
but they did the film and I, in blue. I watched a little bit. Yeah. And I, I watched the trailer and I thought, actually, that's quite funny. They <laughs> were great. Again, they, they were yeah. on Saturday nights, you know. You'll do for me, cocker. <laughs> me? Yeah. <laughs> I'll find it up to you with you. Oh, you got me skin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Uh, 76. Yeah. 76. Covid though, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, that's, yeah. We've got one other one, that's the Covid one, which really hurt as well. Um, Alan Minter, Doctor, professional yeah. uh, British boxer, yep, 69. Right, uh, rather sort of craggy, old face, even when he was younger. Jeffrey Palmer. Yes. From the rise and fall of Reginald Perrin. You know, uh, rice, uh, veg, meat, a uh, bit of a cock up on the old food front, <laughs> I'm afraid. Every single episode. <laughs> he was uh, the husband to Wendy Craig Butterflies, and Butterflies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as Time Goes By with Judy mm-hmm. Dench. Uh, he was in Madness of King George. And also, he had a little cameo in Tomorrow Never Dies as well, James Bond film. He was 93. So he done all right. Eddie Large, Edward Hugh McGuinness, next to Sid Little, whose real name was Cyril Mead, so Little and Large. I quite like them. They were quite funny. You know, the idea of losing Large and Ball in one year is, uh, you know, I mean, you know, again, two, you know, two halves of two you know, big double acts when we were growing up. They And they were surprised. I mean, all right, we didn't have so many channels. But they were big. Mm. They were they huge. Were. Um, he was 78. Hey, Mushki. <laughs> <laughs> um, Derek Folds. From, from, from Yes Minister and... Uh, yes, yep. yeah. And uh, the Basil Brush. Of course, Mr. Derek. He was to 73. Mr. Derek, Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love Yes Minister and I, I love Yes Prime Minister. I mean, you had Paul Eddington as Jim Hacker and Nigel Hawthorne as uh, Sir Humphrey Appleby. And that really, to me, showed the truth behind those doors, Absolutely. how things are Absolutely. twisted. Yeah. And <laughs> he was in Heartbeat. He was. How many he? episodes? Do you th- yeah, how many episodes do you think he did? Uh, 176. Close. 342. Jesus, age. <laughs> um, he was 82. Ready for this one? Nicholas Parsons. Oh, Sound of the Century from 71 to 83. Live from Norwich. It's the quiz of the week. <laughs> and now, from Norwich, it's the quiz of the week. Um, um, most notably, I mean, I love this program, Radio Four show, Just a Minute. Just a Minute, absolutely. I love that show. Um, basically, no, no repetition, no deviation. No, you know. Do you know how long that's been going, or was going? Oh, his last let's say sixty-five years, or close, but no cigar. Sixty-seven to two thousand nineteen, he did. Uh, it was fifty-two years, so he's oh. yeah. I mean, such a long-running show. Welcome to Just a Minute. <laughs> Thank you. 
at least they're in turn to speak on the subject that I give them, and they will try and do that without hesitation, repetition, or deviation. Nixus Parsons, he was 96. Right. Uh, Des O'Connor, he went as well. I mean, Morecambe and Wise used to rip him a new one so many times, and yet he had 36 albums. Absolutely. In his career, he'd sung with Adam Faith, Shirley Bassey, Barbara Streisand, Cilla Black, and he toured when he was in this country with Buddy Holly. And like you, he sang all the right notes. <laughs> but not necessarily <laughs> celery in the celery. right order. <laughs> Definitely not necessarily. <laughs> well, I don't mind him standing there, but I don't want him singing on the show. You, you don't. <laughs> I'm not too keen on him standing there. Let's oh. say no, you've got to give him something. Well, give him a get-well card and send him home. <laughs> well, Des, I... I... I, I don't know what to say. Just, do I? just talking about you, Des. Yeah, we were just talking about That's you, you see, Des. You yeah. haven't stopped talking about me for the past six years. <clears throat> oh, he's turned nasty, hasn't he? He's, uh, he's tumbled. <laughs> yes, yes, he's tumbled. Start crawling. Start crawling. Hi, <laughs> Des. I must ingratiate oh, myself. Lovely to see you. What yes. a great sense of humour you've got. A sense of humour. Yeah, a lovely suit, that. Mm. Marvellous. Of course, with a sense of humour, you need a suit like that. <laughs> you need a suit like that, you need a sense of humour. That's two for the price of one. I I used to love Des O'Connor tonight on a Friday night. That was such good fun. Especially when um, Freddie Starr was on. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, you did not Des O'Connor was, was a good do. laugher, wasn't he? Yes. He, he, oh, you know, yeah. w- once he went, he loved a good laugh. It was, yeah, really good. <laughs> With your ear to the manhole cover. So he said, here, you listen. So I got down and I put my ear to the manhole cover. <laughs> 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 and I said to him, I said, I said, I can't hear anything. <laughs> and he said, he said to me, he says, I know he's been like that all bloody day. Bless him. Um, little Richard. Did we say Desiccano was eighty eight? By the way, right? Uh, yeah, Little Richard, Tutti Fruity, and Long Tall Sally, which you know he had a big career. A Long Tall Sally was in Predator, which is quite a big, big song for that. Uh, eighty seven, he was Sterling Moss. Who do you think you are, Sterling Moss? Sterling Moss <laughs> won um, two hundred and twelve out of his five hundred and twenty nine races. It's basically the greatest driver never to win the world championship. Seven years, he was four times runner-up and three times third place. <laughs> Never nice. won it. Uh, he was 90. <clears throat> the Green Cross Code Man. Oh, man. David Prowse. Also the greatest villain ever. Darth Vader. 85. Uh, Christopher Tolkien, who's obviously the son of J.R. Hartley. No, J.R.R. R. Tolkien. <laughs> <laughs> My name? <laughs> His name is J.R. Hartley. <laughs> Just a, a little quiz. Do you know J? What, what does J.R.R. stand for? Tolkien's name. Uh, I don't, and I can't be bothered to come up with a comedy answer. <laughs> it is actually John Ronald Ruel. Um, obviously, Christopher, he... he, he Dealt a little bit, obviously, after his, his father passed away, was uh, the Silmarillion and all stuff like that. And uh, he's helped taking over his estate, etc. Uh, he was 95. 
So he had a good innings. Mm. Honor Blackman. Yeah. Was the it Avengers? Good the Bond Girls, was it? No, definitely not. The Avengers TV series. She, of course, was Pussy Glory Goldfinger. She was in Jason and the Argonauts. And my personal favourite, and you you are going to hate me for this, but I really love this film, 2012, Cockneys vs. Zombies. She was brilliant, absolutely fantastic. To see Bernard Cribbins with a walker trying to get away from a zombie cannot be beaten. It's absolutely hilarious. Because you've got him going... <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got the zombie behind him going <laughs> uh, she was also in a lot of uh, Never the Twain yeah, which was filmed over road from where my sister used to live in Hersham oh. yes, yeah, that, you, oh, you know, awesome. and, and it was still an antiques shop but uh, you know, they'd sort of finished filming it by the time she lived there but yeah your son's only look and go oh that's the antique shop for Never the Twain <laughs> lovely boy yes <laughs> Um, yeah, so Honor Blackman, she was 94. Mm. Uh, this one was a bit of a heartbreak for me. Tim Brooke Taylor. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's obviously one third of the goodies, which ran from 1970 to 82 with Bill Oddie and Graham Garden. Uh, he did Banana Man, which are quite, you know, it's a bit silly when you look at it now, but they were all in it, all in it together with that. And he was the uncredited computer operator from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Stars from the world of comedy and TV have paid tribute to Tim Brooke-Taylor, who's died after contracting coronavirus. He was 79. He was best known as one-third of the goodies. He was also a panellist on Radio 4's I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue for over 40 years. Tim Brooke-Taylor, a lifetime of making people laugh and here singing one song to the tune of another. Girlfriend in coma, I know, I know. Yes, it's serious, my, 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 my baby, goodbye, and that's just... Kenny Rogers. Everyone considered him. No when to hold him. No when to fold him. No when... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Island in the stream. Oh, what a tune that is. Um... Ruby, don't take your love to town. <laughs> he was uh, 81. Uh, Max von Sydow. Yeah. Obviously, Flash Gordon, Minority Report, Seventh Seal, Shutter Island. Yes, The Exorcist. Never Say Never Again. He was Blowfield. Footloose. He was in that. And um, Judge Dredd. Of course he was. He was in that film as well. Yes. He's the chief judge in Judge Dredd, wasn't he? Another big hitter, but we've been thinking this would happen for a number of years. Kirk Douglas. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I know. I don't know if I said it, but Max von Sydow is he was ninety, by the way. Um, Kirk Douglas, twenty thousand leagues under the sea. I really like. I that. thought you were going to say he was twenty thousand um, when he died. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hell of an innings. Uh, with James Mason as Captain Nemo, uh, the Vikings, Spartacus, obviously. I really liked Cactus Jack. Did you ever see that? Yes. Yes, I did. It was a bit more of a live-action, Wiley Coyote-type thing after the... What's that uh, film we did with Burt Lancaster? Was it Wise Guys? Tough Guys. Tough Guys. I love Tough Guys. Tough Guys. Tough Guys. I love it. It's absolutely fantastic. 86, that came out. 86. Um, He was 103. The oldest of the lot. He tops tops the tops the winnings with that. Touchstone Films presents Kirk Douglas. I'm Archie Long. Burt Lancaster. My name is Harry Doyle. In Tough Guys. 
He's 72. I'm 67, and these ain't disguises. They've been in prison since 1956. I want to try chicken McNuggets. Now they're out, and things have changed. Terry Jones. Oh, of course. Monty Python. Oh man! Uh, you just depressed me all over again. I was, I was sad I when this happened. You're making it. Really <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously directed Holy Grail and Life of Brian, and there was obviously characters in all of the series and and everything. Seventy seven. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Neil Peart, if that's how you pronounce it, Neil Peart, Neil Pete. Um, Who he? The drummer for Rush. Did, oh, the drummer. Professor. Yes, of course. Yes. Spirit of Radio, Tom Sawyer. All that I love lark. Spirit of Radio. What a tune that is. If you're planning on learning the drums, listen to any Rush album and and then decide whether you still want to do it because he was just the most phenomenal drummer. So. Two more. One, uh, Hugh Keys Bryan. He was Toe Cutter in Mad Max. And he played Immortan Joe, Joe, obviously yeah, the main villain in Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, he did. Uh, he, he was uh, 73. Uh, Neil Peart, he was 67, by the way. Um, and the last one, last but not least, Sean Connery. Yeah. Obviously James Bond and daddy to the greatest movie icon ever. Being Indiana Jones, yep. um, he was ninety. I did enjoy the special you guys did on that one. That was good stuff. It must be. We'd have to do something actually with the old Raiders because that's our both our number one film, isn't it? It is. It is. Yes, that is it. Thirty nine. I mean, obviously there was a few more, and there was people behind the camera and and everything else also. Uh, went as well, but it was pretty tough. And some I think, big names. You know, people talk about twenty sixteen, yeah. but. 2020 was a bad one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But things carry on, and we are going to go into our highs and lows um, of 2020. Any particular genre you want to start with, or are you quite happy to do all your highs and all your lows? I haven't done it by genre. I've just got lots of lows and a couple of highs. I'm surprised there are any highs. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, t- to me, one of the one of the real lows was uh, the TV show Westworld, which I've watched religiously for the first two series, and then the season three came out last year, and I thought it fell off a cliff. I I was really disappointed. 
Now, that's what I've heard. I mean, I really loved one and two, and I haven't watched all of three, but that's what I heard. And I'm, uh, it's a shame because, again, I want to, but because I've heard that, I've put it at the bottom of the pile. Yeah, keep it there. Uh, <laughs> and and I so uh, yes yeah, so I really enjoy I mean two even two was was lagging a little bit one I really enjoyed that was good um, and two was 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 okay I mean two, two I thought you, you know with them all escaping at the end and I thought um, you know the introduction of Tessa Thompson's character sort of gave it gave it new life and you know um, you know there was still plenty of reveals, but I thought as soon as they're out there, I and and I have to say I sort of watched it to the end until about the last half an hour, when I just found it quite almost distasteful, and I just fast forward it. I just thought, no, do you know what? I'm 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 done with this. I don't like this. And okay. uh, yeah, you know, completely jumped the shark. I thought. Um, what have you got as a as a low? Uh, low. I had the bad boys for life. <laughs> I was pretty disappointed in that. <laughs> oh, I, as I say, we, we've spoken about this, and you wasn't too keen on two. I quite like two because it's just action and turn your brain off and enjoy it. Whereas three, I was hoping for more of the same, and it never really got to the got to that point. Mm. It didn't. You sort of light the touch paper, step back, and, and that was it. Yeah. No, no uh, one I had was which was a TV show again. Um, it was a UK one though. It was called Dead Water Fell. I don't know whether you saw this. It was starred David Tennant, and it was effectively a a couple with um, two young girls who seemed to have the most idyllic life, and then suddenly there was a fire in which the wife and the two children were killed leaving David Tennant and and then suddenly it slowly picks apart and you realise their life wasn't as idyllic as possible and and you, you know all indications seem to be that it was him and he did it for some reason and therefore you know you're watching I think it was three or four parts and you know I, I watched it with my wife and you're kind of going right what twist are they going to apply to this where either you find out he did it but for a different reason or or he didn't do it, and it was you know, and there was loads of sort of red herrings thrown in, but you know, and therefore you're kind of thinking, oh, you know, how are they going to lead us away from this, 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 you know, um, this idea that it was him, and and they never did, and it turned out yes, it was him, and and he did it for exactly the reason you thought, and you kind of thought, why did we just watch all of that then? Because Wait, because yeah. because yeah. you you telegraph that, and surely when you telegraph. A, a a potential perpetrator. The idea is you then, you know, throw people curveballs where it turns out it either wasn't him or 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 it was him, but for a, for for a reason you never thought of. No, it was him, and for exactly why you thought, and he did it exactly the way you thought, and you kind of go, oh, all right, why 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 we watch that then? You know, you could have. Yeah. So yeah, that that was really disappointing. They, that was on last January over. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a four parter four one-hour shows and you know and I can remember us going what and then going on social media and everybody saying the same thing you know what a complete waste of time so yes that that was a low point um I had one games funny enough and this isn't a VR one cyberpunk 2077 oh really not no good 
<clears throat> well, this came obviously from the same stable as Witcher 3, which was a phenomenal game, which was pretty buggy uh, when it first came out, so it did need to be patched, but it's just a good game. Whereas this one, I've got it on PC, I've started playing it, somebody was sitting in front of me in, in the mid-air, just floating for no apparent reason, and of course I accidentally hit him in the car and then got penalised for it. It's like, well, hang on a minute, he's not supposed to be floating in the middle of the road, that's a bug. And you've just penalised me mm. for it. And it had such an atrocious start on the consoles that the Amazon and everybody else were given back refunds, which has, you know, never really been heard of in that in that great, you know, amount before. Mm. Um and uh yeah, there's something gone very, very wrong there with what they were doing. I mean it's been in production for years and um yeah, a big sort of disappointment with with how it was, you know, handled, whether or not it's a publisher thing, or, or they were told, well, no, it's going to come out now, whether you like it or not, you know, or you can't tell people it's going to be put back again because you've already done this three or four times. But there's a lesson to be learnt there that the fact if you can't chuck something out, and expect people to pay for it mm. and be happy about it if it doesn't work. Yeah. So yeah, a bit of a low there. More more from a, a fact of a, a place that had such high. You know levels of of quality f- from the game perspective, and and this coming through, there was a lot of hype about it, and everybody was like, "Oh, God, I can't wait for this! This is going to be fantastic!" and and literally plummeted, you know, as soon as it came out because it was just unplayable or looked horrid. You know, you, there's people with PlayStation fives that it looked like a PlayStation One mm. game. You know, and it was that yeah. it was that bad. Yeah, because so. I I heard that yeah, it was clunky on consoles, but it was all right on PC or something, wasn't it? It it looks okay on the PC, but still you've got. I mean, I've got a pretty high end uh, graphics card for the VR side, so I could whack everything up and make it look nice. But literally within five minutes of me playing, I went somewhere and I say I saw somebody floating mm. in midair in the middle of the road as if they should have been sitting on the seat, and I'm thinking, well, that's yeah, you know, that's not on. No. No. You know that from from a testing phase, you'd think you know that would have been picked up straight away because you can't have that many instances that somebody played it and oh I I never saw anything. It's like well, clearly there was something there. So yeah, it's a real, it was a shame, shame. Not angry, just disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> which is often worse. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I remember parents saying, "I'm not angry with you. I'm just disappointed." No, I'd rather you were angry. I, <laughs> I, I I still love you. I just don't want to be your friend at the moment. <laughs> I still love you. It's just you're not going to live with us anymore. <laughs> um, my next one uh, is a bit of a controversial one, and ooh, it is the ooh. movie Parasite, uh, the uh, oh. South Korean Oscar winner, um, directed by Bong Joon Ho. Um, which everybody said, oh, film of the year, absolutely amazing, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. When I finally got to see it, I think my expectations were so high that when it, it was just like, it, it was an okay film, um, a, a clever concept, and I'd say up to about oh, like three-fifths of the way through, well executed, and then just got a bit daft. And and I was really disappointed with the ending. 
and I just felt, yeah, you know, but again, not because it's necessarily a bad film, but because of the hype, you know, for it to be the first foreign language film to, you know, win the best movie Oscar and obviously one best yeah. director, you know, the expectations were so high that, yeah, I was, I was, I was disappointed with it. It was a shame. Okay. Yeah. We still got to see that more because every time my wife says, Oh, Netflix, yes, we, we must watch that. We must watch that. Maybe because of the same thing. She's heard the same mm. thing. You've got that hype. And I think that's what happened with this game. You've got that hype there and suddenly, which drops you down Absolutely. further, I think, because you've got that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've only got a couple of highs. So I'll do my first one. Um, I'll do it from a game's perspective Half Life Alex. Yeah, was was really the thing that got me this year. It was fantastic. Again, that had a lot of hype, um, but for, for for me personally, playing it in VR, oh, second to none. It was it was so much fun, uh, and it, it, one of the few games I've actually been able to finish because it was like, no, I've got to put everything else on hold and actually finish this game because I love it so much. I I have a high that is. I I like little films where not much happens. You know, they're sort of little independent films, and not every film needs to be Avengers Endgame. Suddenly it just has to tell a small story. And there was a really lovely film called Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always, which is about uh, a young American high school girl who uh, becomes pregnant and wants to get rid of it, uh, but her local... Um, abortion clinic basically says that in order for them to give an abortion they she they'll have to get consent from her parents the only way she can get it without getting consent from her parents is to go to new york so she goes to new york with her um cousin and it just tells a story about her going there and it's very simple very low play but you realize that something bad's happening in her life and the the title never really sometimes always is a questionnaire she has to answer whereby she, she the four answers she can give are never rarely sometimes or always and yeah. and you realize that as she's answering this and there's there's communication without things being said that sort of some bad things have happened to her and so it's kind of a sad film there's some funny bits in it and it's just a very gentle little film where it it's just these two girls going to New York, and you know they meet this very strange guy, and yeah, but 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 just a nice, gentle film, and I was pleasantly surprised by it. So yeah, that was that was certainly a high for me that I wasn't expecting. Again, almost the anti-parasite, where I wasn't expecting much, and it over-delivered. Yeah, yeah, I think it's nice to have them though every so often because it sort of sort of cleans your palate ready for. Uh, you know, another Marvel thing or another like, twenty five yeah. yeah. catastrophes and cliffhangers and, and stuff like yeah. that. Um <clears throat> my high is is one that you're never gonna watch. Uh it's obviously Mandalorian season two. Um I I really enjoyed it. Show me the one whose safety deemed such destruction. You must reunite it with its own kind. Where? This you must determine. The songs of eons past tell of battles between Mandalore the Great and an order of sorcerers called Jedi. You expect me to search the galaxy and deliver this creature to a race of enemy sorcerers? 
This is the way. It went above and beyond the first series for me, and uh, it paves the way for what I'm hoping to be quite a lot of other series. Uh, telling stories of other characters that I've, I personally know and have got used to from books and bits and pieces. So, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to what Disney Plus sort of chucks out. So, cool. My last one is an absolute cheat. I'm afraid it's a complete cheat um, because technically this film came out in 2019, but I went to see it at the cinema in 2020 I went in January 2020 so I'm going to count this as a 2020 film because that's when I first saw it and I've watched it several times since and I'm pretty sure I mentioned it last episode but it's the best film I saw all year and that is Knives Out which is a fantastic cast um, you know across the board um, and of course talking about in, in memoriam but starring Christopher Plummer who we've just yes. lost yes, um, yeah. very sadly um, again in his 90s but um, yeah a, a fantastic ensemble also just a smart film a smart smart film I mean Daniel Craig is superb he's just chewing the scenery like nobody's business uh, but then you he does but then you've got, his accent is absolutely world yeah, it's class brilliant isn't it and then yeah, yeah. Christopher Plummer um, Anna de Armas um Jamie Lee Curtis, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, um, Michael Shannon, um, just just a, a, a brilliant cast and a clever, clever story that keeps you guessing all the way, and then the ending is superb. I, you know, it is it is right up there. It is it is my the best film I saw in twenty twenty, and it's the best film I've seen in a long, long time. I really enjoyed it. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to request that you all stay until the investigation is completed. What? Can we ask why? Has something changed? No. No, it hasn't changed, or no, we can't ask. I'm gonna live till I die. You think one of his family was killed? Is that what you're suggesting? You all love twisting the knife into one another. Up your ass. Oh, very nice. Matter of fact, eat shit. How's that? Eat shit. Eat shit. Eat shit. Smug smile. Definitely eat shit. You know something. Spill it. I suspect foul play. Eliminated no suspects. <laughs> I'm gonna live, 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 live. It's a twisted web. We are not finished untangling it, not yet. What is this? CSI KFC? <laughs> Yeah, so I know it's a slight cheat, but like I say, I first saw it in 2020, so I'm having it. <laughs> yeah, I'd go for that. Yeah, I must. I totally agree with you. It's, it was a, it was a fun film, and I, I was kind of looking forward to it. I never saw it at cinema, and um, I think uh, 
we was waiting for it to come out for for rental on on Apple TV, and as soon as it did, it's like, yeah, come on, we we got to watch this. This this does look does look good. Um, but yeah, I think everybody had their their part to play and got to yeah. play it. It, it it was one of those films. I that, mean, it's uh, it's a who done it yeah. that tells you who done it about a third of the way in, which makes you think, hang on, what's this film going to be about? And then it starts telling the story. It's wonderful. Just then it starts yeah. kicking in. Yeah, absolutely. so good. So yeah, good. very good. Okay, uh, that about wraps it up. Um, thank you very much, Graham, for your input. Thank you and, for having uh, me. Any last words? Uh, no, again, just to say, Russ, I hope you did okay, and I'm 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 looking back to being a being a listener again and hearing you two uh, you two with your bants <laughs> in the future. So, uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> Lovely, thank you, thank you. Okay, thanks for listening. Uh, we both hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe so you never miss a new episode. You can hear us on Apple and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbeam, and from our website, uh, down the back of the sofas.com. Or you can now even ask Amazon Echo device to play down the back of the sofas, and we will be there. You can contact us via our website or Facebook page. Our email address is dtbots77 at gmail.com, or our Twitter account is at dtbots. D-T-B-O-T-S, down the back of the sofas. Thank you very much, and it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.